Hi, I'm Weird Al Yankovic, and you're listening to the Pantheon Network. Bob Marley was more than just a musician. He was a musical pioneer, an ambassador of Jamaican culture, a humanitarian, an activist, and a really competitive soccer player. He grew up in one of the poorest neighbors in Kingstown, Jamaica, but thought music could change the world. His songs talk about standing up to oppression, hope, freedom, politics, and love. He survived an assassination attempt and tragically died of cancer at the age of 36 years old. On today's episode of Prisoner to Rock and Roll, we're going to explore the life and music of the man who wove reggae music into the fabric of modern American music. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Prisoners of Rock and Roll, episode number 28. I'm Bruce Kramer, and I'm here at the mic tonight with Ryan McCusker and Doug McCusker. No worries, man. Are you rocking out there? Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. <laughs> Prisoners of Rock and Roll. Would that make you? <laughs> yes. Yeah, make was you stuck you know? in the middle with you. <laughs> Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by McCusker's Tavern at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia, and our show is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Man, Every week we talk about a show, and every week I say, I don't know how we're going to tackle this. It's, I don't know. I've been listening to Bob Marley a very long time, and I think it's a very interesting topic. Again, over the years, going back to our teenage years, Ryan, like, you're not listening to this. You should be listening to this. Like, what don't you get? Man, this episode is going to touch on politics and religion and music and all kinds of other stuff. And it was, I, one of the best things I love about doing this show is about how much I learned. And I knew, uh, I think I knew a, a decent amount about Bob Marley. I learned so much. And I also think this is the saddest story. Yeah. Yeah. He really, yeah. That we've, we've but covered. He, he went out on his own terms though. You know, he, um, he was a revolutionary for a, a movement that was a movement of love. And that's his whole thing. Like his things, things like live a great life, love, and community. You know, he was just in in all. You know, he's a beautiful human being. Yeah, and a guy yeah. who's been who just got cut down or died at a really young age. But he didn't. You know, wasn't drugs. It wasn't this. It wasn't like he just died of cancer. He just died of cancer. He had it really bad too. He fought it for a very long time. Yeah. Enjoyable and enough. Like it's a shame because he did. Like we were talking earlier at the bar, is like he, he had a um, an injury from soccer game. Yeah, it just from uh, his toe. Yeah, and then, like, he just yeah. got dealt like a bad hand after bad hand after bad yeah. hand by life. He was getting but, like, but he kept trying to make the best of it. Yeah, but it wasn't was, a bad life. Like he had an amazing like sure. where he came from. He was getting the wrong people telling him the wrong thing. 
You yeah, think so? He had like Rastafarian doctors telling him to no, you know. But that's his religion, though. That's fucking fine. But you know, yeah. it, in medicine world, you know, it, it didn't work out for him. So, I, I guess the way we're going to tackle this is we're gonna we're just going to walk through his life and we're going to talk about some of the music and you know we're going to ultimately lead up to his his tragic did not you know his tragic death. But it was like, yeah, man, dude, if you hear the word Jamaica. You can't hear Jamaica without thinking of marijuana or music. Yeah, and right. I, and yeah. you can't think. And, and both shit. Both of them makes you think of him. Have you been to Jamaica? I have. Yes, I have not. Jamaica is a fucking great place, dude. It's and he is a god there. Yeah, like he. They make Bob Marley face on everything. So we're talking about the lines thing, like later in the episode where they gave him the ring of their, their king or the next messiah of. Their religion, right? The Rastafarian, yeah, yeah, sure. We can, t- yeah, we'll, we'll, I, we'll cover. And he was like the next coming, and um, we we're watching the documentary, like Legends or Lions, wherever it's called. Legends, yeah, or yeah. the Marley documentary. Yeah, and he was like God sent, like he was the next coming of the like of a king or like some religion thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. they. I mean, they they just looked up to him as like a, a savior to everything, but like. It's amazing. I th- I honestly do truly do believe that people were important on this planet for reasons, and I think that is with Bob Marley. Well, he was, you know, he was a spokesperson for his his whole country. He was such a political guy. He, you know, we we talked in the intro. He was uh, attempt on his life to be assassinated. But that's the power that he had. He had that's the power. How people yeah. hated him though, too, because yeah. he had so much power. He's not, even, he's not even a politician. No, but he was more powerful than a politician. Yeah, and I love that. Yeah, he I love was, that. He was the most... And that's rock can, and roll. Can you name another influential person out of Jamaica? Other, like, well, Usain Bolt. Like, I, I, I can't I think can't, of another, yeah, I can't no, think of another no, person. No, 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 means, like, no. you know, I, I don't mean to be the flippant. The other guys I'm in the like, no. That's right. the only thing I can think of is the other right. guys in the right. whalers. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't say that to be flippant. I'm like, I just, I can't think of another person, like, culturally who means that much of the, to what this what that country meant than him. But, like, his music is bigger than that country. Yes. His music oh, is identified in every country in the world. And we haven't, I almost feel like we haven't tackled a subject this big yet like and we talked about the blues we're like we're gonna talk about a hundred years of music but what he meant to music and culture and everything man it was like the more i dove into it i was like dude we are i'm like shit i am way in over my head here dude he he lived a short life but he lived a big life that he the short yeah. time right. he was here was like we're gonna talk about 36 years of his life and i was like uh, how long are we gonna talk here i mean let's start let's start with him yeah man yeah, let's, let's start, start with where, like where he was born yeah. Bob was born in Nine Island, St. Agnes, Jamaica. It's in Trenchtown, basically. February 6, 1945. He was descendant of a white English and black Jamaican. So he was half white and half black. Which I don't think a lot of people... So, yeah, he was born in Nine Miles, Jamaica. There's no electricity. There's no running water. It's an incredibly poor neighborhood he had like no shoes on his feet yeah no, there was no the food house. Just i don't think a lot, I don't like, think a lot like, of people it's like know, a shack it's like a shotgun shack i don't think a lot of people know that he's biracial yeah. right like yeah yeah i yeah. i didn't until i started doing all yeah. this research yeah. and i was like and i've watched other movies about him so his yeah his dad was 
His almost dad, 50. Yeah, he's a lot older. His, 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 his mother was like was, 16 years old. Yes. Yeah. His and, name was Captain Norville Marley. And it was really crazy. He only seen his father a handful of times and his mother after he was like through his life. He he didn't know his father. And you, and you have to understand, I mean, like we we don't want to get into politics here, but that's an that's a that's the awning over all of this. So it's like at the time, man, like Jamaica is is a British colony. So you have this kind of ongoing struggle between the indigenous people who live there and then the British white people that overrule it. Yeah. And that becomes a, a bigger deal as we go through this story. But in this context, his dad was a British government official who was significantly older than his mom. Yeah. And his mom was a, 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 a black person at the time. And there's also some like, some some bullshit around who well, his dad was. Exactly. Like his father on paper was never nothing but a private in the army. And he perceived himself to be more than that. Yeah, so his dad said he He's was a sham. Like, he was a captain. Yeah. And he served in India yeah. during World War Two. He didn't serve. And he said and that was yeah, that, that was all a lie. It was all bullshit. Oh wow. Yeah. He said he, he never rose up uh, yeah, uh, above private above private yeah. and he never saw active service. And he was kinda like yeah. like a government clerk. Kind of who did some from, shit. From what I understand, the Marley family was very high up respected in in society. Like it was easy for him to get away with some kind of story because his family was so notable. You know, they were they were above higher class the Marleys, the white Marleys. So he so basically he was like a rich brat. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. But but when his mom has him, I mean the dad he he's not around anymore. He kind of like disappears mm. through his life, and even his mom doesn't want to go and get a birth certificate for him because she's so afraid of what a biracial kid oh yeah will will oh, yeah will be. So his his passport says he was born on April sixth. But his mom swore that he was born in February, and she said she was so afraid to tell the government that he was born because they were afraid of what would happen if like a British government official had a kid with some right. So it's like this whole like he's not he comes out the womb and there's already like a trouble like shit. Yeah. Right. Scheduled against Yeah. Well he 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 jumped ship. Like he like like I said. Right. He's out. He he's gone. He doesn't even like like Identify with this kid or the mother or anything like that. They only saw him like he like, had a few different kids. Yeah, Bob has some siblings. Um, but, yeah, but so so I watched that, that documentary Marley, which I think Doug and I are both talking about, and he has some siblings that are like white British, like very British, know, very people, yeah. yeah, like very kind of colonial times, like tea and crumpets kind yeah. of people. Oh yeah, um, and and. Mixed racial couples in Jamaica in the 1940s are still frowned upon. Mm. Like that's just not everywhere. It was yeah, that's not yeah. accepted. Accepted anywhere. Thing. Um, which is just crazy. Like that he, you know, the the deck is stacked against him. And I don't mean to say that, you know, in a derogatory, but just I like that though. socially. The deck is second, you know, yeah, like, like he that. just this his first hand is just he's got bad cards, and um. You know, that documentary, man, that, that you were talking about, Doug, like, Buddy Whaler's in that. And they were like, oh, was he teased as a kid? He's like, oh. teased is not the not word. The word. He was exiled. Right, he, he was, was like, like he was bull- like, they, like, right, they called him, like, he didn't German boy and all these other. Yeah, his grandmother 
his great grandmother, who lived to 135 years old, referred to him as a German boy. Right. So he was just ostracized. And I guess at some point his mom moves from uh moves from nine miles to Trenchtown, which is a neighborhood in Kingstown, which is just it's it's and still, that's a big it's a, a lateral yeah, it's right. a ghetto. And that's a big move because you if you see where he was like lived early in his life, where he was born, it's a shack shock on shack. It's a little it's house. shanty. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a shanty dirt. town. Yeah, but now it's like a shanty around a bunch of other shanties. Yeah, yeah. it's like a, a like tin roof after tin roof. Yeah, yeah. Of, right, right. Of just metal walls and whatever trash they could find to put up on the walls. To it's make- like poverty to his finest. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a horrible upgrade. But he was a happy kid, from what I understand from watching documentaries. A happy happy kid, rather than being. Like torment his whole life because he's not accepted on either side. I think he, I think he became such a musician because he was isolated from everybody else. I, I thought yeah, he was really you get the, you get the, um, like the trade down. Like you saw, like I have nothing to. We're talking about banjos. They're talking about banjos in the thing. We're talking about well, like, a lot of a lot of instruments in Jamaica were homemade. Yeah, like um, the guitars were made out of wood. Uh, uh, you know, obviously, but the wire for the strings, they would take apart, uh, you know, telephone like wires and yeah. take the individual wires in the wrapping and make them into guitar sounds. So I think there know? were like, there were two things going on in, in Kingstown at that time. One was that, the local music scene. Yeah. And two was like, after the war, people were buying radios in Jamaica and they were picking up radio broadcasts from like, Louisiana, you know, like the southern yeah, part of the really? United States. Yeah, really. So they said they were like Bob Marley would get a radio, and you could you could barely get like New Orleans and yeah. stuff like that. So he grew up listening to like he said he loved like Elvis, Fats Domino, Ray Charles, the yeah. Drifters, so that that kind of stuff. And then they were making these rudimentary instruments. Like music was all they had. Yeah, to to get them I, through this I shitty life. I appreciate that. I could really appreciate that. He. Was very young when he when he when he started the Whalers. Um, they uh, we haven't played any music anytime lately. Um, he was such a young guy; you could hear in his voice the youth in his voice. Yeah, so maybe we should play something by him, and let's let's kind of um, maybe set the let me accelerate this a little bit. So he was, you know, and Bob Marley was like working a bunch of like menial jobs. And he said the one that in, in turned him on to music was he was working as a welder. He'd left school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's being a welder. And he said he was, like, working one time, and a piece of metal, like, flew in his eye. And he didn't have eye goggles. And he said it. And he was just like, fuck this. Fuck this. Fuck this. I'm yeah. going to go become a musician. Yeah. yeah. And so he. But the thing is, though, like, like why wouldn't he? Because, like, every, like I'm doing this, doing that. Like, why wouldn't I be a musician? Because everybody's around. Like, everybody surrounds told, him. You know I mean? Everybody told him he couldn't do it. That's crazy. So one of the first songs he did, and he did before he meets up with the Whalers, he did some like one-off solo stuff because mm-hmm. he was like an yeah. inspiring yeah. musician. So one of his first songs he did, and it didn't do shit, was a song called Judge Not. Let me let me play a little bit of that. And just listen to this in the context of how different this sound is from what you think of when you hear Bob Marley. <laughs> Look at 
very Frankie Lyman and yeah. the teenagers. If, but that's what he's like. That's what he's influenced by. Like Frankie yeah. seems like the Temptations. Pl- like you know, if I played that for you and I said I'll give you a thousand dollars, you tell me who that is. You have no never idea. Who that's Bob Marley. Yeah. No, you I, would never know that. If you know, right, I know it is, but and I'm listening to it and I think, oh wow, it is a young young Bob. But so, it's still there, though. Like it's like it's there. Yeah, the magic there. is there. His voice, Dude, his voice is amazing. It, it's almost like um, it it's ska music. So maybe we should we should draw this line real quick and kind of set the stage. Yeah, so, like, ska is a whole other thing. Yeah, maybe they we just, should go ahead. You know, go ahead, please. No, I mean, I heard in, in a documentary that ska was made for beer drinking and dancing we all sure so we all watch the same movie sure. know, yes. beer sure. drinking and yeah. dancing and bob wanted to make something more serious yeah something more rastafarian yeah know, so to go to with his religion so ska yeah. comes out of like the late 50s early 60s it's like jamaican folk music uh it was called mento the folk music with like jazz calypso and american r&b and all that stuff that after the war people start listening to american radio broadcasts so it's you can you can hear it like you just said doug it was yeah. like you can hear frankie lyman and the teenagers yeah. you hear that soul kind of mixed in but that was like their influence that's what they wanted to be you but, know they didn't want like they had a lot of hits in jamaica that was not they like, had a lot recognized, of hits. Yeah. recognized like abroad right but after ska there's another step in jamaican music called rocksteady which is like the mid '60s, which is kind of like it's a little slower, and um, the bands are a little bit smaller. So mm-hmm. ska bands are typically like very large, There's yeah. Like percussion and horns and, horns and all kinds all of other kinds stuff. Of um, so as the bands get smaller, there's more emphasis on the ba- the instruments that are playing, which is also like the bass line becomes a bigger deal, yeah. and then reggae becomes the next evolution of rock steady. In reggae, now it's kind of like anything from Jamaica. You know, even the um, the the drums that they take out of the the, the steel drums. Yeah, like people mm. say that's reggae music. It's like you know, but it's like, a catch-all. But. but you look at like their evolution from where they came, Bob Marley and like his band. Where they came, like what, what was it called? The um, like the boxes they made. They made it out of, like like rumba yeah, box. Rumba box. box. Yeah, rumba it, box. I think you could play that right. Yeah, I, I it, it's only like six. It was it was a it was a box with a hole in it, and it had springs on it, and it would had tone. The springs had tone in it, and you could play a song. They were like a music box. Yeah, you know, it was a pretty clever thing. And they would have they would call it the shake shake. Yeah, yeah. It was like it was, it was like big shakers. Like, yeah, um, maracas. Yeah, kind of like a just think you know, of that. Home, yeah, homemade instruments. But that's why everything's homemade. That these guys started with, it's all homemade. Yeah, they didn't have shit. And the thing of reggae too is like the bass becomes a percussion, a percussion instrument. Like, like I've reggae, been saying reggae, my whole, my whole reggae my, has a very distinct like. Yeah, like you just hear it and you know it. The offbeat. I actually I have a clip of Bunny Whaler explaining what reggae is, which nice. I think is fucking awesome. But I be, think. But I'm before you say that, that, yeah, like I've been saying my whole life, the bass guitar is part of a percussion instrument. That's what I do. What? I, I think the bass and drums are the most important yeah. part of reggae music. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So let me let me play a clip of Bunny Whaler explaining what it is, and we'll see if we can put this in the show without getting sued. <laughs> beats are bum, 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 bum. With reggae, you got three beats out of four beats, and you imagine the next beat. 
Feel the next beat. That's reggae. Feel. Heartbeat. Feel. Boof, 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 boof. Heartbeat. <laughs> brilliant. He's brilliant yeah. guy. I was like, dude, yeah. and he's like, I'm looking at the video in front of him. I mean, he's he's dancing, and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he, he just, dude, he gets it. He is, you know, Bob is the rock star, but Bunny was the spiritual. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, he was the spiritual guy in the band. Yeah, man. So let's get them on the field, man. Let's let's talk about them a little bit. So Bob Morley has a. Uh, He's middling around. He tries to be a musician. He's really not going anywhere. And he decides he wants to be a musician. So he starts taking lessons from this guy named Joe Higgs. Yeah. Who Joe Higgs was like a, um, they call him the grandfather of reggae music. He made some of the first uh, records that were actually physically made in Jamaica. And part of his uh, giving back was he would go and give free lessons to kids in his yard. And Bob Marley went, to that and he also met two other guys he met neville livingston who became bunny whaler and he met peter mcintosh who became peter tosh huh. mm. and that's where they decided they're going to become a bit he also uh tutored jimmy cliff so yeah. it's like pretty oh, much wow. like all the jamaican yeah. shit that comes out of the yeah. 60s yeah this guy was like the um george yeah. martin of <laughs> right right you know? so he he starts tutoring the band and the, the whalers the initial version of the whalers is they're a vocal group yeah, yeah. they don't play instruments. Yeah, they're like um, the Temptations. Yeah, so they, yeah. they 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 model themselves after like uh, yeah, like Frankie mo- Lyman yeah, or, or yeah. Dion or some other other stuff like that. Which and um, you know, let, let's play a little bit of that too. Let me compare some of that because like the really early version. So they they actually cover "Teenager in Love" by Dion. So here's here's two versions of that. Here's Dion's version. We have a quarrel It almost breaks my heart Cause I'm so afraid That we will have to part Each night I ask the stars above Why must I be a teenager in love? Classic American. Yeah, absolutely. Two-op sounds. Yes. And then, so... Bob Marley and the Whalers cover that. Cover that. Here's Hold their on version. to your seats because this is fantastic. Now, you were saying something about the production value. See, I read somewhere that they did the production of it, make the vocals really high, higher than everything else, because they know it's going to be played on jukeboxes. And they wanted the vocal to be bigger than everything 
on the record for the original version. Or I just thought it just no for the for the for, this, for, the, yeah, Mar- yeah. for Bob the Marley, Marley. Yeah, yeah. Bob Marley and those guys they they pushed the vocals up higher than everything else because it was going to be on jukeboxes and they wanted everybody to hear it. Hmm. But the thing is though. You listen to the drums on the thing, it's way more complex. Yeah, it's an like, island feel. I know, and it's so much better. It's an island feel when Dion has a South Philly feel. <laughs> and I, I mean, dude, I, I love that Dion and the Belmonts. I love all that doo-wop-y kind of but stuff. But that's like, yeah. so much but better. The, that's so a, much better. That is, like, you and, see, yeah. if you charted all the music, you see it branching off. Yeah. And it's, like, going a different direction. It's really cool. That blew my doors off the first time I heard that. Another thing that was really cool about Joe Higgs was he actually took the band. He said, like, you guys are going to learn how to play. He took them and made them sing in a cemetery yeah. in, in Jamaica. He was like, <laughs> you need to learn how to perform when you're scared and for you're the under dumpies. pressure. <laughs> He's like, you have to sing for the duppies. Yeah, the the The, the, duppies. the, the, the spirits. And the, the evil Bob, spirits. And Bob Marley had some songs about that, the, the duppies. Yeah. He said, like, yeah, you're going you're gonna to go sing among the bad spirits who are pissed off around the cemetery can you imagine that they get up and start booing you right <laughs> like boo, boo. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> we we get mad when comic book guy emails us <laughs> like the ghost of the ghost of prison of rock and roll past coming in getting us bob marley and the whaler they're making this kind of music and there's a couple other like there's some background singers and stuff like that but bunny whaler and peter tosh are the kind of like they're the two core people in this really early version I mean, and they both go on to have really influential careers in Jamaican music, right? Yeah. Like Bunny Whaler, he just died this year. Oh, well, right? right? Yeah. Right, I think. I think he died in March. And um, and Peter Tosh, um, Peter Tosh was the only one out of the band that actually knew how to play an instrument when they started. <laughs> and I thought it was really cool. So Peter Tosh had this like really crazy, like, uh, he went and saw this guy play guitar, and he sat down, and the guy played guitar for like a half a day, and Peter Tosh just stared at him, and he's like, can I borrow the guitar? And Peter Tosh played the song back to him, and wow. the guy was like, man, where did you learn how to play guitar? And he was like, from you, just wow. now, wow. and just instantly knew how to play guitar. I appreciate it so much. Like Really, really natural, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like a... Like a a virtuoso, yeah. Was Peter was Peter was on another level. Yeah, and then, he was the secret weapon of the whalers. Yeah, and then he went and told the other like, "You guys need to learn how to play some instruments." And they were like, "No, man, we're a vocal group." And he's like, "No, you need to learn how yeah. to play." And, and Peter Tosh died under really tragic circumstances. Yeah. Like, you know, just clear that up right now. Like, he was murdered in a home invasion, <laughs> like eighty <87. laughs> seven. But no, laugh at it. It's well, no, it's just it's just fucked up. It's just another yeah. like so. Jamaica is an incredibly violent, exactly, yeah, incredibly and violent place. And these imagine people, living in that. These guys just broke into his house in '87, and we're like, "Give me your money." And he's like, "I don't have any money." And they tortured him to death. They tortured him and they shot him in the head. And they That's killed awful. Him. Like just this burgeoning musician. I was like, you know, if you peripherally know anything about reggae music, you you've heard the name Peter Tosh. Yeah, sure. He went on tour with with the Stones in the, in the 80s before he died, obviously. Um he had a a few just like hits. You know, nothing yeah, not, nothing like, like Bob did. He but they were like B-sides, nothing that really made a big hit yeah. or anything like that. But the, but the three of them together are really important, yeah. right? Cuz they're like they're pretty much what gets the meteoric oh. rise. Um 
So Joe Higgs is uh, getting him playing cemeteries. He's made, he said he made him rehearse for like two years. And they kept He's saying, like, like, we want a record there. deal. And he was like, no, you're not ready you're not yet. Not there yet. Good to play a song. Yeah. So he, he, he finally gets him to a record producer named Coxone Dodd, who gets him to record a song called Simmer Down. And Simmer Down becomes like their first hit. Tear a little bit. But it's like ska, though. It's like the birth of ska. So the band, the the Scatolites, like they were like a big. They're the backing band for that because that's probably yeah. why it sounds like such a huge. It does uh, have a big sound. Such a huge sound. It has yeah. that that doo wop kind of big orchestra kind of sound. Yeah, you hear that the doo woppy and then beginning of Jamaican music all kind of coming. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, but I love like, the you, sound. I love the sound. It's like it's simple recording. But like the that's all they itself, had in Jamaica. Yeah, everything was simple. But don't you think like they're like, rubbing sticks together and everything like that? Like going back, like going forward, like people are just trying to like capture that sound. Right, that it's they, all they, right. Yeah. You can hear it's it's pressed yeah. into a couple yeah. tracks, and yeah. it's not incredibly. It's really cool. It's, it's great. like it's hearing great. The, yeah. the soul music spilling over. Um, so they had a number one hit for that, but they you know it doesn't go anywhere else. It's just number one hit in Jamaica. Yeah, and then Bob Marley's mom leaves yeah she's like he's 17 and she's like i'm i'm out you know and she goes and moves to delaware wilmington delaware wilmington delaware which is maybe a half hour from where we're recording this right now Mm -hmm. and bob marley now has no dad no mom so he moves into like the studio where he 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 gets a room above the studio where he's been recording all the stuff he lived in the studio it was like with the janitor yeah but it's like simple living. Like that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to just. Be I think a musician. poverty. I think yeah. poverty was in he's his used blood. To he's used he's, to it. He's, he's used, used to, to having it. nothing, yeah. and you know, this is what he, he, wants he to was do. Mus- yeah. music was his love and life, and look what he did with it. You know, he sacrificed his whole life to practice and to write songs, and that's why he's still with us after all these years. He's yeah. been dead. And if I you like look- I said that he's still with us. I still, I like yeah, that. Of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you look at the pictures of like any of the stuff that we're looking at right now, if you go on like um, Spotify, the pictures of them, like they're in suits. Like they're, yeah. they are, he oh, does, they're sharp. They he, are sharp. He does not have dreadlocks. He is very, they're just a, an American teenager. Yeah. yeah. Group. Like they're trying to sell it. Yeah. They're trying to sell themselves as that. So as, as he's kind of torn around and doing his thing, he meets up with Johnny Nash. So Johnny Nash is the uh, I can see clearly now. Yeah, he's well, gone. Yeah, and he starts writing some songs for Johnny Nash. Johnny Nash hires him to be a songwriter. So I actually had one of the songs. Here's um a song called "Stir It Up" by Johnny Nash that that uh, Bob Marley wrote.
sucked. I guess. Yeah, that sucks. I don't know. Like, I kind of liked like it, the, guys. I yeah, liked it. Yeah, but the Bob Marley version is iconic. You know, like, it's cute and everything like that. Like I never heard go. it. I enjoyed it. So Thank you. Yeah. So, like, I mean, Johnny Nash had, like, that song, I can see clearly now, has yeah, it's kind of a reggae kinda, kind of. Yeah. Right, it brings reggae to, like, American music. So he, yeah, the song sucks, you know, Yeah, it's, you Jesus know. Christ. Everything sucks. The goth, yeah. the goth episode. Yeah. But, um, so the band, you know, so he's kind of like, he's doing his thing. He's writing some stuff for Johnny Nash. He's, he's got the band, but they've got like an absolute dog shit record contract. Yeah. With the, Just like everybody else in rock and roll. Yeah. So I read somewhere that they said they were making three pounds a month. Yeah. And I'm not a very smart, yeah. per- I'm not a smart yeah, person, but yeah. I would think three pounds in the 1960s, American dollars is still probably not yeah. very much. No. So Bob Marley goes like the Delaware. Yeah, he, he goes, goes to America. Delaware. He's yeah. like, I'm gonna go to my, I'm gonna go to my mom's yeah. house because he wanted, like, he wasn't making enough money out in in Jamaica. Yeah. So he's like, well, I really want to reach out to be an artist. So he goes to America. He goes to America to make money. Yeah. That's why he was here. He wasn't here to make any music. He right. wasn't here to do any of that. He was here to make money and work. He worked for a hotel. He was a janitor. And he worked for Chrysler. Yeah, he built cars. He ran a yeah. forklift. He did yeah. like a bunch of odd jobs. He also got married before he yeah. he left. He, he got, got married to Rita he got married Marley. one day. Yeah. Like, was it the 12th? Like, like and he moved, Yeah, he, he got, got married one and day he moved and he the, next the next day. Yeah. yeah. And that's important later when we talk about his yeah. extensive family his, tree. Yes, huge. Yeah. But he, um, yeah, man. So he comes to Delaware and he just... Works these kind of odd blue collar jobs. He's trying to make up money to go back and make music. You know, it's interesting. After he goes home, he makes his own record label. Yeah. You know, um, and he goes into another recording studio and to start making his vision, start making these songs that are about love and freedom and everything like that. Yeah. Is that when he started really? Taking on the Rastafarian. Yeah, like, I think when when he like comes back, religion. Did Bunny Whaler? I think the other guys around him have started embracing Rastafarianism. So he yeah. embraces it. Yeah, and the music kind of changes. And he also wrote a little bit about his experience in Delaware. Like his, his some songs are about like working the forklift at weird hours and stuff like that. And um, yeah, man. So he comes back and he, they make whale and sound records mm-hmm. with the whalers. Yeah, that they want to kind of branch out on their own. They had a great Rastafarian producer that really pushed their sound really far and really mold Bob into something else. His name was Lee Scratch Perry, and this guy was just not schooled in how to make a record. Or anything like that. He was he knew what music was supposed to sound like, and he taught himself how to record. You know what, man? Like, as a fan of music, you know, like I've I've been really into music my entire adult life. I've heard that dude's name so sure. many times, yeah. and I never really like stopped to pull over and read about what his name is. But he comes up so many times and so many stories in the history of music hmm. i was like oh wow this this dude again but this was the one time i actually like kind of dove in and read about him he's a wild guy man he's, he's still re- I mean, he was still alive yeah he's he would he would dance around and jump around he's like i want it to sound like this so he would jump up and down and make the make the rhythm um he would fly his arms around and I don't know. He would, he would have little dedications to water and fire and oh. land he died a, like 
a, a week and a half ago. No he way. Died, oh, he, wow. He died at the end of August. So. Oh, wow. But yeah, dude, his his name just came, like Scratch Perry. I'm like, I I know who, I know that name. Yeah. It comes up all the time. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no, it's nice. I've heard his yeah. name so many times, yeah. and he came up in this story. But he really gave Bob help Bob with his vision. Yeah, when they had this Whale and Sound Records, they said that it was such a um a self made company. Like they would press the records, and the guys and the whalers would get on their bicycles and take the records and they would take them to like juke joints and bars and like here, like they would literally, that was their distribution. They would ride on a bicycle and hand them out. But then eventually at some point they get signed to like Island records. They get like a, a, a big, record, a deal. big yeah. record deal. And Island records is, um, they're the, they were started in Jamaica and they're still like huge. I mean, like, sure. Yeah. Island records. Yeah. U2 is on there. Yeah. The cranberries, everything. Yeah. But, it was also started by an Englishman, an Australian, and a Chinese Jamaican. So it's not like Barry Gordy being like, sure. you know, a, a Native American, uh, uh, African Jamaican starting yeah. the record label. But um, when they get signed to Island Records, they make their full they – they record a full album. And now they have a band. Hmm. And that's kind of where it starts taking off. Um the guys and they a couple of them have like Bob Marley's learned guitar, you know, some of the other stuff. So um It's like when you move to Delaware, like um we were watching a documentary and when a guy handed it all the time didn't realize how talented that he was. And it's like you have something. You have something like you have something to say, you have something to, to like give this world. He was one of them trillion. Yeah. You know Yeah, man. He was and you really see it, man. Like, and we all have heard the music a million times. Like, I, you know, I dig him though. I dig his humbleness. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Like, he's just I like, really. It's I, all about love. I can really appreciate yeah. that. So his guess, idealism was like amazing. Like, amazing. Like, just like amazing. not into politics or anything. like Amazing. That. Yeah. So let me play um, a little bit of "I Shot the Sheriff" by him because that was on their one of their 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 second album. Let me play a little bit of that. So that song's important in that Eric Clapton covers it in like 73. It, it kind of, it becomes really popular. Sure. And it becomes like yeah. a, a, a hit and it starts getting people's attention over to, to Bob Marley and the Whalers. So Doug, you just said like you think you actually like, like that more yeah. than the, you I like, like Clapton's like version Clapton more? Version. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm kind of eh on Eric Clapton's entire yeah, career. I'm not, but, and I'm not a huge Eric Clapton fan. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I I really like Clapton, but you know to to hear the original version, I believe Bob Marley saying "I shot the sheriff" and doing all this didn't lie me, fucking Eric yeah, Clapton. Yeah, I hear you. I'm with you. You know, like that's what I'm kind of shot. Like it's, it sounds yeah. it sounds more revolutionary yeah. when Bob Put sings it. it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I still thought it was interesting that Bob Marley and the Whalers at this time they go on tour opening for Springsteen, 
and during this all, time, yeah, when that song amazing. Like the early, like the early late sixties, early seventies. Can you imagine seeing that show? You see Bob Marley, and then the Bruce comes out, and then they they also toured with Sly and the Family Stone. Jesus and Christ! Sly and the Family Stone kicked them off the tour because they said they were they, too fuck, they were too good. Absolutely, and I was going to say something like, stage. no offense, gentlemen, but like I'm sure Bob Marley like yeah. kind of like crushed. Bruce. Yeah, they like, said they said you're yeah. out. The Wait, Bruce kicked them off. The, off no, the, no, 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 no. Sly, Sly and Family Stone, Stone kicked them off. I you said yeah, Bruce no, no, kicked no, them no, off. No, no, no. He no. opened for Bruce, and yeah, then he opened. Yeah, style. he opened for yeah. Sly and the Family Stone, and Sly he and also Family Stone. he also opened up for the Commodores. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he. What Bob did was Brick House. Bob was very popular, had a cult following in America of white people, and he could never <laughs> understand why the black community didn't get behind him. They just didn't know about him. Which is a big part of, like, yeah, this whole sure. story. So, you yes. know, it's like, again, like, the white side of him is getting more attention than the black side of him. The black side of him is not even, does don't even know about him. So he accepts to perform before the Commodores when the Commodores should be opening for him. Absolutely. To get more radio play. Yeah. So he wow. did a favor. He played Madison Square Garden, opened up for the Commodores just to do a favor to get more radio play of course, in, yeah. in, in New York City. It's good business. Jesus Christ. Can you imagine like Bob Marley and I then, fucking, fucking, leave. And then leave. fucking Lionel Richie comes up there? I would leave. I would leave. So, it's, all right, so we're in the early 70s and then 74... Bonnie Whaler and Peter Tosh both quit the band. Yeah, Benny would. Uh, Bunny just had enough of the commercialism. He's like, I'm here to make Rasta music. But yeah. they were simple people. You gotta understand where they're Yeah, we from. understand they're simple yeah. people, but they didn't want to go further into like playing London, playing yeah. huge London clubs. And they're like, we're, we're Rastafarians. We're not rock stars. Yeah. You know, and, and Bob was like, well, I wanna be a rock star. And ben, Bunny's like, well, dude, I gotta be out. Was he that was Bob wanting to be yeah. like a rock star? Yeah. yeah. I thought he just always just went along with no. it. No. He, so he, he had, wanted to he be successful. Yeah. The guy from Island Records signs them and says, we're going to position them in the market as a black rock and roll band, which is so like, dude, they're not. It's basically they're, what he did, though. Right. So, and and Bob Marley was cool with that. Mm. Bunny Whaler was like, no, man. Like, there were certain clubs, and he was like, I don't want to play here, given my Rastafarian uh, upbringing, my religion. I, sure. I just don't want to play these. It, exploiting it. Right. Like, and, yeah. and the guy said, that, no, you're going to play. It's actually kind of funny. So the guy, the president of Island Records, his name is Chris Blackwell. And uh, Peter, uh, Bunny Whaler started calling him Chris White Worst. <laughs> Sounds about right. Because yeah. he was like, no, man, you're not going to exploit me. And Peter yeah. Tosh also said, like, I was the... I was the background singer for so long. I want to do some solo stuff. And Isla Records was like, no, dude, you're the background guy for the Whalers. And yeah. Peter Tosh was like, I'm out. I want to pursue a, a single career. Sure. And it's, they said Bunny Whaler and Peter Tosh both have kind of moderately successful single careers. They probably fucking own part of the name, the Whalers. Probably. I'm sure they do. You know, like, you know, they're, they were original, the Whalers, and Bob used that Whalers up until the end. It wasn't Bob Marley. Right, Bob Marley right. and the Whalers. Right, so at, the, so at this point, when those guys are out, it becomes Bob Marley and the Whalers. And mm. it's also like, um, you know, it, it's a band, it's not a vocal band. Yeah, and now it's becoming a, a, a band. A band. Yeah. Right, and there's like the uh, 
the three female vocal, the I three, yeah, I think they're called. One, like of, one them, of is his wife, yeah, and a couple other, two other females that are like that that classic reggae sound that that background vocal. The three little birds. You yeah. can edit this. You can edit this out, but I think Peter Tosh has a show on the Beatles channel on Sirius. Peter Tosh is like morning with the Beatles. Peter Tosh. Yeah. He's been dead for. Oh, okay, he died in like eighty four. Okay, all right, no one. That's Peter. Whatever. Okay. Pretty close. Yeah, man, I'm dead. Uh, Ooh, boo, it's time for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're up at the point, man, where like the whalers are Peter Tosh and uh, Bunny Whaler out of the band, and we're ready to start talking about some kind of dark stuff that, that happens in Bob Marley's life. So why don't we play a couple music? So let's play. What do you say? You just wanted to hear. It's here. No woman. No. No cry. woman. No cry. So here's live at London. The Lyceum in 1975. They do such the vocaling, the the girls in the background are so awesome. Dude, that song blows me away. Like I remember like being in my twenties and that song still blows me away. I think the first time I heard that was when the Fuji's covered it. Yeah. There's like a uh, there's maybe. a yes. Not me, but there's a gospel vibe to that, right? Like the organ yeah. and yeah. and that's a big part of Rastafarian music. Yeah. I mean it's it's very biblical. Kind of, it just speaks to me. Like it just blows me away every time I hear it. Blows me. Away. I think a it's lot of emotional. His, it's an emotional journey. That song. I think it's a, a musical lot, journey. I think a lot of his music, man. Like there's a. It's not a fragility in his voice, but there's something about like the way it it trembles when he hits certain notes that I've just I've never heard in another singer because he believes in it, man. He like it's everything he has inside of him. He's singing it like it's it's so. Like it's an amazing piece of music. Let's hear another song. Yeah, man. let's hear one of his "Get Up, Stand Up." Stand up for your right. Get up, stand up. Don't give up the fight. Preacher man, don't tell me heaven is on the earth. I know you don't know what life is really worth. It's an all that Peter is gold. After story had never been told. So now you see the light. We're playing 30 seconds of these songs. I could let every one of these yeah. run the yeah. entire time. Like every all three of us are sitting there kind of like bopping our heads with the music. I mean, it's in. such a political song, but you can like put it to anything that you have a movement on. You know? It's 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 a it's a unifying song. Yeah, by by this point, man, when the Peter Tosh and Bunny Whaler are out. Like they're his music has gotten way more political. He's singing more about what he experiences like a blue collar worker in Delaware. And he's singing more about what he saw in Jamaica. And maybe we should talk a little bit about that because I think we're about to lead up to <clears throat> excuse me, the nineteen seventy six, like the the horrible assassination attempt uh, on against him. Sure. So um Jamaica largely was a dumpster fire for like right so it was a it was a 
British colony until like 62. And then it be, it gets its independence. And it had been like 15 years of like political unrest. And I said, I, I, I don't want to make this the social studies class. But <laughs> it was like, you know, if you went to the supermarket, you couldn't get stuff. There was nothing on the shelves. But everybody had guns. You know, it was like a, a horrible, sure. like, you know, the Brits leave. And now nobody's in charge. And the uh, so the prime minister of England at the time decides like, dude, we're, we're going to have a concert. We're going to bring everybody together for the power of music. Sounds great. And they get Bob Marley to to to, to play in it. And the guy, the prime minister, goes like, "Hey, man, we're going to have this concert, and it's going to de-escalate the violence between us and his opposing political party." And Bob Marley goes like, "Hey, man, I'll play, but I'm only going to play one song, and I am not endorsing either one of you people." Like in the opposing political parties, he kind of supported one party in the past, and then he was like, kind of, yeah, they got taken the wrong way. Yeah, he was like jaded, so he's like, dude, I'm I'm not involved, but I'll play, but I'm not getting involved. Yeah, he was very vocal about that. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not on this side, I'm not on that side. Yeah, you know, but but then the prime minister goes like, oh, cool, we're having this concert, we're going to move the election up to do it right after this. Wow. So then the people, you know, people that support his party were like, hey, look at this great political rally. Bob Marley loves us. Yeah. yeah. And the what opposing party was like, well, wait a minute. Bob Marley loves us. You're dragging him along. So both of them now are pissed off at him. And it's like, and he keeps saying like, dude, I want nothing to do with it. Um, and he's just performing. That's all he's doing. Right. performing. Right. So doing and, a free show. Right. And even yeah. Bob Marley was like, Dude, what are you doing moving the election? I, yeah. I didn't I, – I'm trying to remain politically neutral here in a yeah. point where the country is very tumultuous. So what happens is some people try to fucking kill Bob Marley yeah, sure. over it. Yeah, yeah, right in his house. Right. So uh, seven people just drive through the front gate of his compound, his tough gong – Record compound. I guess we didn't talk about this. Like, so Tough Gong was like his his nickname growing up, and became like the name for his like studio. And you still see that now. Like, you can see like Tough Gong Records. Yeah, yeah, Tough sure. Gong. But um, and they said like his his wife Rita was like leaving the mm-hmm. compound. It was like, oh, I she pulled over at the gate and was like, these cars are coming. Where the bodyguards aren't here, but what's up? And as these people were driving by, they shoot her in the head. Yeah. And somehow yeah. she survives. And then these people just break into his house and they start shooting everybody in the goddamn house. And somehow everybody survives. But yeah, you, Bob got hit. Bob Bob was shot like the uh, he was shot in his in arm. The chest and his, in it, his like, arm. Him. It, what happened yeah, was well, he like, was standing on the side and the bullet came in and it grazed his chest and landed into his arm. Yeah, it went like parallel to his chest yeah, and grazed yeah. it. And um, his manager and a band employee were also shot. And, um, you know, no, nobody passed away, thank, thank God. And a couple of the people that were, uh, that, that did the shooting were executed. And Bob Marley went to the execution and no watched way. him kill, watched really? him be, really? be executed. But they've never, they never said, like, ultimately what, and there's always rumors like, the CIA had something to do with it. You there know, like is a great documentary on Netflix about this. I forget what it's called, but it's on Netflix right now. I watched it, and it's about the assassination of Bob Marley. It's rad. I'm going to look it up right now while you're talking. They actually talk about the guy who tried to kill him. It was it was like the whole, like, this guy was seen here. And, you know, it was like a mysteries 
unsolved mysteries, whatever. So, so we're talking about a guy who doesn't want anything to do on either side of politics, and he's the guy who gets assassinated? Right. right. Well, look what they're using him as. They're using him and as a puppet. Him. Exactly. And he's called- the guy... That's going to get fucking shot. Remastered. Who shot the sheriff? Yeah, I think on Netflix. Yeah, very it, cool. Yeah, it's very, it's very, you know, telling you about what the concert was for and everything that you just talked about, Bruce. And here's a guy who's just trying to like get everybody together and whatever. And he's right. the guy who gets shot. That's right. what I'm confused right. about. He's a Rastafarian at this point. Yeah. He's like the musical power of of, of love. Exactly. We'll so, bring everybody together. So yeah, both these sides of political things going on. And he's the guy who gets shot. Right. Shoot those fucking guys. Right. If you're gonna shoot somebody, like for real. But then he play he plays the show. Yeah. Two days yeah, later. Two days later. Right? He's yeah. injured, and instead of playing one song, he plays a set. Yeah. And he is like, it's defiant of in lieu of what happened. Yeah. He has such faith in God. He was like, God's gonna protect me on this stage as I'm doing my sure. work. Sure. Yeah. They, they, yeah. they like, said I'm that. Not, like, right. Yeah. I'm not gonna need any bodyguards because right. God is watching yeah. me. Right. right. What if what well, if somebody willing. tries to sh- happen? Yeah. Right. What if somebody tries to finish the job and he's like, Well, I'm I'm God's protecting me. They made me yeah. survive this. And he it's an enormous like right F on. you, yeah. right? It's like, right and, on. and again, yeah. it's another time he's got dealt bad cards and he's made the best of it it's, but he just, made it's it, remarkable but he made it though i think that's what his his whole life was being dealt bad cards sure and, and overcoming it you know not overcoming death obviously but overcoming his oppression making uh, the most of it yeah sure you know everything he did he was trying to do something for the people and the people took it the wrong way and they try to ex- execute him. i mean shit you asked me to do something for the city of philadelphia yeah. You know, to, to help people. And somebody tried to shoot me, I'd be like, I'll see you guys. Yeah. I'm out of here. But he still went up and he was like, I'm trying to help people and bring this country together. Even though you tried to fucking kill me, I'm still here. He left He left Jamaica after that. He, he did. Went, he right. exiled himself. He went to go live in, in England. In London. Yeah. So he, Yeah. So the next year he goes to London and he makes... The album Exodus, which is which the is, biggest which album is the, we ever made, sure. the enormous hit, right? So that has more. Um, it's one of the greatest reggae albums ever. Sure, I mean it's just just period. Um, and the it, the album is really like it's kind of broken into two parts. The first part is all about like religion and politics, and the second part is all about like sex and 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 the women that you love, and it makes Bob Marley is a star. Yeah, a huge he's, Time he's, Magazine called it the the best album of the 20th century. Wow, he was playing like eighty thousand people. He was playing countries. Yeah, you know, he was like he was bigger than the Rolling Stones. You know, in in the world, which is crazy because you think about it, like so the Stones are coming out of a tradition of rock and roll music, right? Like so you can you can go to the Stones and think of like who came before them, and you can hear the connection between them. But before them, you can hear Chuck Berry to the Stones, but Bob Marley, man, it was like reggae music is so different than anything he, else at this point. Like, yeah, dude, it's it's based in that duopy stuff, but it's so different. Like he didn't invent reggae per se, you know. It's, it was around a long time, yeah. but he made it pop. Yeah, but he is reggae. He, he right? definitely is, but he made it more listenable, like a pop version of it. So, I, and I can't think of another. Artist that brought like a completely different style of like a style of music to like he he made a he, you think of reggae music you know I, you think of Bob Marley right you know I don't think Shaggy 
Right. I don't. I don't think right. of um, snow. Right. <laughs> Informer. Yeah. Uh, what are you we... talking about? <laughs> like, oh, there's the electric chair like, song. There's the electric yeah. snow. But like, yeah, man, it's like some of the punk music. You know, there's always, of course, there's music that comes out that just changes everything as you hear. But it was also like, like the reggae music wasn't counterculture. You know, it wasn't like. He made this for everybody to yeah, listen to. Yeah, like like punk music sure. was like yeah. a middle finger at everybody, but this mm-hmm. is like he's just trying to get love. Everybody, yeah, united. Right, it's like embracing yeah. everybody. It was like and I can't think of another. It's almost like um, it's like the dead, but it's like it's better. Uh, like, but, but I don't want to say it's better than dead, but like it's more. It's more like forceful. I, I don't know about that. It's more understanding. It's more like culturally accepted than dead. Yeah, like, I, I mean, think it's on I think a different it's level. It's, it's like it's more. It's easier know. to understand than yeah. the dead. Love yeah. is love is easy to understand. Yeah. The For Grateful real. Dead is opening the door of your mind and yeah. exploring it's all not, that stuff. It's not jam band shit. Like I mean, like right, but it's the, very but the, straightforward. But it's very yeah, exactly. Yeah. Can we hear a song? Yeah, man. Can we hear "Is This Love"? Of course. Still can't think of another person that was that demonstrative and about his peace and love message. Like all the episodes that we've done, man, this is the show has been littered with shit bags. Yeah. Narcissists sure. who are in it for women and money. And this dude is we'll get into his complicated family life. Sure. But just very Man, just just money's a motherfucker. Man, music will just bring everybody together, and it's about that is the way out, and just peace and love, peace and love, peace and love. I think before we take a break, man, we're going to talk about one more thing. So while he is um, in London, he's playing soccer, and somebody was wearing uh, somebody with their cleats. They step on his toe, and it hurts like hell, and he kind of like. You know, oh my God, my my that hurt way more than it should have, and they start looking into it and they realize that he has melanoma in his right. toe, yeah. which is also like. So the I read an interview. I think it was with a couple. It was either his mom or his wife. They said like melanoma is a white person's yeah, disease, I, I like heard that. skin cancer, yeah. right? Like as a white person's disease. So they were like the the whiteness in him was killing, killing him. him. Yeah, which is kind of like a. It's kind of a heavy metaphor. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. And um, and also with like, I mean, you get skin cancer on like your face, your nose, you know, like on your shoulder, like you're at the yeah. beach, not on your toe. It was a freak thing. Yeah, and and there's also some debate over the severity of it. So that one documentary on him, one person said they told Bob that you need to amputate your toe. Another person said, no, the doctor said you need to cut off your leg at your hip. And at this point, it's like... He was getting some bad advice from everybody. Right. So, 
And I, you know, I mean, shit, they told me you have cancer in your toe, you got to cut off your, cut off your leg at the hip. I probably wouldn't be down with that either. No. No. But they, and also this documentary said like, well, you know, your big toe is also like where you, you get like your balance in your life when you stand so you wouldn't be able to dance or play soccer. And Bob Marley was between his Rastafarianism, which is like, you're not amputating part of my body. Yeah. And... You're taking away the two things that I love doing more than anything: dancing, soccer, and and, and dancing. Yeah, and and, and music. soccer, dancing, and soccer. I'm not doing it. So he decides to seek alternative treatment, which ultimately leads to his downfall. And it's probably we're going to stop and take a break. And I don't mean to <laughs> end on such, a, on such a, a such a bummer, but that really is kind of the, where this whole story takes a turning point. So uh, we're going to take a commercial break. We'll be back in a couple minutes. Stick around. Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by McCusker's Tavern at 17th and Chunk Streets in Philadelphia. There's something for everyone on the beer list and the jukebox in McCusker's. It's minutes from the sports stadiums in Philly, making it a great place to stop by for a few drinks before or after a concert or a game. Come see for yourself why everyone from Philadelphia Magazine to Playboy has called it one of the best dive bars in the city. Visit them at 17th and Chunk Streets in Philadelphia or on Facebook. That's McCusker's Tavern. All right, we're back from the commercial break. Thanks so much for sticking with us. Maybe before we dive back into Bob Marley's life, man, we should talk a little bit about Rastafarianism. We kind of like just skimmed over that. And it's probably a, an enormous uh, part of this story because he he was an enormously religious person and his embracement of Rastafarianism really guided his life. But everything from um, his hair, yes. right, so the dreadlocks were, were a big part of it. Um, his diet, yeah. you know, what he would eat and what he wouldn't, and also his approach to modern medicine sure. in light of his cancer. Um, and I guess a, uh, a big part of that, man, is like, and I, I, I'm probably going to overstate this, and please, I, we do not mean to be disrespectful, but Rastafarianism seems to deal very much with like the Book of Revelations of the Bible. Sure. And it also thought that the uh, the emperor of Ethiopia, who ruled from like the 1930s to the mid 70s, was the second coming of Jesus. Yeah, and uh, it was very very reverential to him. And after he passed away, he had a ring that he always wore, and somebody in uh, the emperor of Ethiopia's family gave that ring to Bob Marley. And if you look at the album for the cover of Legend, the greatest hits, which is also the greatest selling uh, uh, reggae album of all time. It's like on uh, Diamond. He's wearing that ring yeah. on on his hand, and I don't. The story of like whatever happened to that ring is kind of gray. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like like the, it, I heard stories that like it disappeared after he passed away, or we were all talking it during the break that it was buried with him. Nobody knows what happened to this ring. But what I find very important in this story is that people admired him and like really appreciated his what he had to say and the way he lived his life. That he deserved that ring. Maybe that he was the third coming of Christ. Maybe it's like reincarnation. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, it's an incredibly complicated yeah. um thing to dive into. We you know, and we're a music show, so we're not gonna dive yeah. into the the, uh, I dig the Rastafarians. 
Like I, the, yeah. their whole way of life, yeah. love and live a good life. Yeah, I really dig that. And you know, like you said, it's it's the Revel- Book of Revelation is a big part of them. The uh, Christianity, it's it's a step away from Christianity. Exactly. It's a it's a it's a beautiful religion. It yeah, really and is. And it is a close step. So like um, yeah. Bob Marley's wife told a story of like the the um, the emperor uh, from from. Selassie, I, I, I'm probably mis- mispronouncing his name, and I don't mean the disrespect, but he like he went to Jamaica and he was like waving at the crowd and he put his hand up and, and stigmata, she, and she swore that she saw a stigmata yeah. in yeah. his hand from uh in in the, the hole in his palm, yeah, uh, from the crucifixion. It was like oh my gosh, and so some of the um. Yeah, he but, they also described the way how he looked at everybody in the face. Yeah, he said every everybody's like oh he looked right at me. No, he looked right at me. No, you looked right at me in the eyes. So it was like some kind of miracle. Like he looked at everybody. It was it was kind of weird at the way that they told the story. Yeah, maybe we, let's let's play the song "Iron Zion Lion" by Bob Marley because it's about him. It's about this this guy who was the emperor of Ethiopia. Let's just play a couple minutes seconds of it. I think that's too eighty sounding to me. I think if it maybe we stripped a couple instruments out, I, yeah, you know, I I could hear the organ like Ryan. You were just saying we were listening to it like the wah 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 wah. Like I, I could hear it. It was just there was too much like undercurrent going down. Yeah. I think if you stripped that out, it would sound cooler. But but like yeah. the guys, the 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 emperor's name nickname was Rastafarian. Yes, yeah. So yeah. that's where they get Rastafarian. Yeah. Which I, I dig this dude. I really I really am. I I've known about him for a couple of years now from this documentary. And this dude rocks. Like if there was a second coming of Christ, I believe that that it was this guy. And it it's interesting that I mean Man, I don't want to dive too much into no, geopolitics. No, yeah. But it but it's also like when we were growing up, Ethiopia was like where the really, really poor people played. Yeah. Right? It was like the um the USA uh, we, for we are the world, right? They're they're incredibly starved, and now as we, I've gotten older, we're like, oh well, there was this whole religious movement of this guy that was seen to be the second coming of Jesus going on. Like, and you never, we never heard about this shit no. growing up, right? It was no. always like the UN is putting things of fifty pound bags of rice, and nobody's getting it. It was like it's a completely different way to think about it. But like, if you like, you can edit this out if you want to. But like they say that the beginning of human was, existence that part of the world. Sure, you know what I mean, so I believe that. You know, I I really do. Yeah, I, it's, like, it, it's it's it makes the story like incredibly complicated. Yeah, and I feel like I'm we're not even doing it justice. No, I'm, it's a huge huge story that I don't think that we can give it justice. No, we can't give it justice. But like you say, it's completely like complicated. But like I have belief in that. I really do. I think that is you gotta believe in something. I, I so I, as you know somebody who goes to church on Sundays, I you know do you? I, yeah, yeah. I good I, for you. You know, I I'm a I'm a God fearing, gun owning Hey man, there's no such thing as atheist in the foxhole. Like, you know, but 
You know, we're talking about uplifting songs. Let's hear uplifting song. Let's hear redemption song. His words are so pure and honest. Yeah. You know what I thought was interesting? So we, we play this and we play 30 seconds of it and we, you know, we normally talk over it. And you guys both just had completely different discussion points. Right. Like, so we normally yeah. Doug talk, you talked about guitar the guitar parts. chords and yeah. Ryan, you were talking about the, the lyrics. Yeah, I, I I think it's one of his best songs. I think it's one of his most well known songs. But it's not like a reggae song, right? It's, a, it's, it's an it's anthem, a, right? It's like exactly. an acoustic. It's like exactly. an acoustic rock. Yeah, Dude, it's, it's, it's a crossover. He like crossed over yeah. at that point. But it's like like there's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Like it's just like the honesty. Like Ryan was saying, like he's listening to lyrics. Like yeah, I know the lyrics are like back of my hand of this song. It's so honest and so pure and it's so simple. But it doesn't have that reggae sound to it at all. It doesn't have that like. You know, like that he's synonymous with. You're right. All of his music does have like this offbeat kind of rhythm going on. Um, there's four measures in a beat, right? There's four measures in the beat, and he uses three of them. Yeah, it was like he that leaves thing. one That's out. Reggae. That bunny, that bunny reggae, or that bunny whaler thing we just talked about. It's like you the, leave you leave the fourth one to your imagination or something, yeah. which is really cool because yeah. you're like. There's clearly something distinct and different about There's something magical. Music. There's something right. magical, something mystic, something very, very unusual, something that you can't even explain. And what do you guys said that before the, the Motown episode? It was like, it's not what's said, it's what's not, not said, said, or it's not or it's what's like played, the, it's what's not said. No yeah, played. we're talking about James yeah. Jamerson. You're yeah. like, it's what's not played. Being played. And, and Bunny Wheeler said that. It's like, you leave it to your imagination. So Let's hear something really reggae. Let's hear a uh, Buffalo Soldier. Buffalo Soldier. It was a Buffalo Soldier in the heart of America, stolen from Africa, brought to America, fighting an arrival, fighting for survival. So yeah. there was so you listen to that and that's like the sound of vacation. Like how crazy is that? Like I I think of like drinking like hummingbirds and looking at clear skies, but the song is a, a very political, political song. song. Yeah. So you 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 fly into Jamaica, right? You get off the bus to you know, the bus goes to all the tour resorts and they drop everybody off and you get off and you can see through most of them have the um you know, the, the open air lobby that you can see through to the, yeah. the ocean. And you see that and somebody in a white, uh, an African-American, a black guy. I don't want to call him African-American. Or Jamaican. Or Jamaican. Or Jamaican. Right. A Jamaican is in a white suit is giving you a, Yaman, here's your drink. Mm -hmm. And you see the ocean and you're ready to check in your hotel for a week. And that's the shit that's playing. And you realize like, man, that's like. This is a very political Right, song. right. This is not the guy playing the steel drums. By the beach for for spare change, man. This is like some revolutionary some heavy, stuff. Some heavy, yeah. 
heavy stuff, man, as, as heavy as the topic he's singing about, is it anything that we've talked about in the year we've been doing the show? You know, I never really, Ryan said to me a long time ago, like, you've never been on vacation. Like, you're always looking for, like, the museum or this and that. that, that. I don't know how it would feel. Do you, like, it's you fucking guys, awesome. I, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. But, like, the person that I am, I don't know that I would really feel comfortable. We will go, and you can go do whatever you want, and I'll sit on the beach. It, it is. Like me and Adam be like, yo, this place is fucked up. Like, no, I'd be like, this place is awesome. I don't <laughs> It is, but you also got people that are making three bucks a week, you know, like if yeah, this was another, like, if this yeah. was a comedy show, I'd go into my stick. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm not. I get it, man. Like, but much like the blues episode, you know, like you're trying to thread the needle here. It's like Yeah. You know, like I, I I've been to the Caribbean, I've been to Jamaica, I've been to Mexico, and you feel a little weird like I've never been. Like But that's are, why you tip everybody. Yeah, you, you tip everybody. Correct. correct. If been... you go to a, like a resort for another country, bring a bunch of ones with you because <laughs> no, it gets you right. a long it's way. Not, it's not it, the strip club. A but... couple of dollars, <laughs> dude. I'm telling you, a couple of dollars get you a long way with these people. It's amazing, right? Like I check in and I give the the, the person at the front desk twenty dollars right off yeah. the bat. Yeah, and I get we and I get free Wi Fi for a week. Right. You know it. It's their economy. They're there to make you happy. Yeah. They want you there. We've been, the last time my wife and I went to Cancun, it was 20 bucks to everybody. You know, or you the bartender for the week. Yeah. You're here for 20 bucks. Like, you know, and then not being patronizing or anything else. It's no. like, but these people are, they're, it's a very service oriented economy that well, is still incredibly poor. I probably went over and started a revolution again. Yeah, like, revolution for up. margaritas. This is fucked up. Like, yeah, you, know. you can go do whatever you want. I'm going to drink margaritas on the beach and smoke a splint. So, anyway, all right, let's get back What's to Bob. What's the splint? What's the joint? <laughs> let's get back to Bob Marley. So, he's discovered he has cancer. And he decides that he is still going to, um, you know, he's made Exodus. And Exodus is also, obviously, a biblical reference. And he left jamaica and went to london and the next big thing that comes up man is a year later 1978 is the one love peace concert that the media calls the third world woodstock Hmm. so um really the the opposing political parties in jamaica so jamaica is still a mess and there's still these two opposing political parties and somehow like flunkies of both of them have the idea of like, hey man, we're gonna get this this con we're gonna have a concert to bring everybody together to stop all the violence. And um the two people decide that the best way to get everybody together would be to have Bob Marley play. So one of these dudes flies to London and they go like Bob, you we need you. We need you to bring the country together. And Bob Marley has not done a single show he hasn't performed live since he like. Oh, by the way, you almost got me killed the last time I played for anything. And he agrees to come back. He agrees to come back to to Jamaica, and he does this show, and he plays. And there are sixteen reggae acts at play. Thirty two thousand people show up. All the money goes back into West Kingston to pay for like infrastructure, like plumbing and all this other kind of crap, and. um but at some point during the show, man, and it and it's really cool. You can see it. He's playing, and he calls for the 
the two political leaders mm-hmm. to get up on stage. And he's like, hey, "Am I? want the. I want this person." And he grabs her hands and he holds her yeah. hands together it's, over their yeah, head. I, I, yeah, it's there's video. Re- there's it's video. Really, that. really yeah, it's freaking powerful. cool, man. It's very powerful. Yeah, I don't know if I could find it on that. I probably should have put it in here. That was heavy shit. That was really heavy. Yeah, two rich white guys and a black guy. And at one point, somebody in his band starts making a mistake, and he's like, "Don't mess up, don't mess." But the, <laughs> yeah. the crowd thinks he's singing to them. Yeah, watch you step now. He says, "Watch yourself." Oh, yeah, that's yeah. Right. yeah, watch that's yourself right. yeah. now. Yeah. He didn't plan it at all. It was spontaneous. I'm waiting. Anything could have happened at that point. I was just praying that the people didn't get foolish and start shooting. If you watch this, you know, and I, I've got the video, the the documentary in front of me in the laptop. He's like, he's dancing. He's like, he's, he's like possessed. He's right. He's just overcome with the music. And it was like, and I've seen that a lot with a video of him performing. Is like, you got to see it. You know, and I know music is an audio experience, but it's like, how he's just wound up in this, you know, his hands are going and his he's clapping and he just goes like, Hey, I need these people to come up here to celebrate love. Dude, he just he just overcome with the magical, power of rock and roll. Magical things happen to like amazing musicians like that. Yeah. It just it's a really cool it's a really cool thing to to watch and I don't know if I can share a clip of it on our YouTube channel or on our social media without getting sued because it's a it's a movie, but it's it's the documentary is really really worth yeah Marley at. yeah really cool yeah but it's about unity like and that's all he wanted in his life is unity it's part right. of his religion it's part of who he was you know he brought all kinds of people together he brought the gangsters together with the uh, politicians yeah you know he lived you know five doors down from the prime minister you know and he would have like all like the gangsters over his house and. People come over and talk about the revolution and come over and talk about Rastafari. And so it was like a big melting pot. It, it was. Yeah. His, his house was. Yeah, I remember you know, that. A lot of yeah. – it was like the meeting place. Yeah. But he you also – but despite his efforts, it didn't always get what he wanted. So I mentioned when we started this conversation about the uh, the concert that he had like – there were two like political flunkies that, that tried to organize it. They were both murdered within two years of the show. Yeah, you know, yeah. So they were like, yeah. The violence just, you know, Jamaica a, was a horribly politically Sounds divided, it. you know, just just violent place. And then at some point, somebody in his in his aura starts realizing, like, hey man, you're doing all this great stuff for music. There's a lot of white people coming to all your shows. Yeah. And Bob Marley, instead of just going like, hey man, I'm chasing the money. Would you think about it, like? When he went to Delaware, he was like, I'm not making any money, right? And he came back, and he was like, I need to make money. Now he's like, well, my my audience is mostly white people. He went to Africa, yeah, and he started playing there. And a couple places like um, Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe, like uh, they declared their independence. And they were like, we would love to have you come and play, but we can't afford to have you. And uh, Bob Marley paid on his own dime to have all of his equipment and a band and everything else move there. And he played, I think it was like the day that like 
the flag was lowered and the Zimbabwe flag was raised, he was playing. Wow. And it was all on his yeah. dime. And he played in like Ethiopia and he played in um like all these all the Gabon, all these countries. It was like it was really cool to hear that he was like He was he was all over the world. There was no limit to him. His his listening audience was the world. Right. And I feel that he doesn't care about money. He didn't care about money. He was just Kept on rolling. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, fuck it. Just keep on moving. And I have yeah. some notes about that at, at the end. Can we play another song? You want to play? Yeah, let's play a song, man. Could you be loved? We didn't yeah, play Yeah, let's that do yet, that one. That's my favorite Bob Marley song. Cool. That's my favorite song of his. He's I, great. You know, that's I, one of my favorites. Too. I think that that dunna, 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 that the kind of chuggy. It, it has iconic. its own yeah. sound. It really does has a great sound. So I I think we're we're at the the end of Bob Marley. So we're talking about like we're up to like 1980. He was diagnosed with the cancer in his toe, and he kind of poo pooed it and was doing his own thing. He was in New York. And he goes out for a run in Central Park, and he passed out when yeah. he was out for a run. And a doctor, uh, they look at him, and they realize that the cancer has now gone to his liver, lungs, and brain. And one of the doctors said he had more cancer in him than any single person he had ever seen alive, mm. ever. That's so he's, he's he's probably in so much pain. He's incredibly ill. The doctors say, like, hey, man, you only have a couple months to live. You love making music. You might as well just go back out on the road and die loving what you're doing. Right. With your boots on. Right. So he he goes and does one more show, and then two days later, he cancels the rest of his tour. But the show he does is at Madison Square Garden. Awesome. And it was like a – it was an iconic – Yeah. And he said during the the sound check, he kept playing Another One Bites of Dust by Queen because he knows he's about to die. Really? Yeah. Is it recorded? I don't. I don't think so. And his health kind of deteriorates very rapidly, and he he goes to Germany and he tries to get all this like alternative treatment because of his Rastafarianism. And it was it was really sad, man, listening to the people in his orbit because he's he's a Caribbean, right? He's a Jamaican, sure. mm-hmm. and he goes to Bavaria in the winter, and See he has the to, snow and everything. and snow. They say like you wear like snow up to, like up to your knees to get through this. Like, and they were like, dude, uh, somebody in his one of his friends or somebody said you're just going to a refrigerator to keep you alive yeah. so sure you can yeah. die because yeah. it's just so cold yeah and you know he said he's, he's so wearing, much pain he has to wear big yeah. sunglasses because it's so white and his hair is falling out so eventually he just goes like dude i, I and the, the documentary has some really cool interviews with like one of his nurses and saying like how much pain he was in, but how polite he was. He's kind, and man. he's always yeah. he's a kind man, right? Yeah. Every one of these talks about how polite and kind he was. But he, um, he decides he wants to go home, and he, uh, or at some point when when he's ill, his dreadlocks become too much for him. That like they're too heavy for him. His body so weak. And I found this the saddest part of his. Yeah. So his wife and a couple other women whom he had 
well, relationship yeah. with. Yeah. They, they light candles and they read the Bible and they cut his hair off. Hmm. And that's like his Rastafarianism. Like, that's his identity. If you see, you, he said you, that before. Yeah, you identity. can see interviews yeah. with him. He's this like, is this identity. is my life. This, this is my, is my de- identity. It's part of your religion. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's really, really sad. And he goes to fly home to Jamaica. So he, he's in Germany, and a couple of his family are like, no, we'll come to you. And he was like, I just want to come home to Jamaica, sure. and I'm yeah. going to die. Yeah. And he, um, I think his wife even said, like, instead of dying in the cold, being a Jamaican, you should be, you know, if you want to come here and drink tea and look at the ocean, sure. you're going to wind up in the same place anyway. Sure. Do it what you want to do. And so he decides he's going to go home to Jamaica, and he has a layover in Miami. And when he has a layover, he gets incredibly ill. Mm. And they realize, like, he's not going to make it. He's not going to make it. So they take him to a hospital in Miami, and he dies 11 days later. Mm. That sucks. And he's 36 years old. Wow. And it's like, man, like, you think about all these musicians, like, how much music and how much beauty did we get deprived of? Because he just, you know, it's like, we can talk about, Kurt Cobain dying, or or John Lennon getting assassinated, you know, all the, like he just died of cancer. Yeah, yeah. these guys died from violence. This guy died, of, right? Like, right? Some, just like, just, yeah. just shit just didn't go his way, right? Just shit just. Didn't There's so go much his beauty way. in it, though. There's so much beauty in how you went out. And a bizarre, yeah, and a bizarre. He didn't get to go home. You know, like he just but, wanted to go home, and he and he couldn't. Yeah, it, in a macabre way, man, it was like. You know, and he he had a a, a state funeral, you know, because he he was Jamaica. I mean, he was yeah. royalty to those yeah. people. Yeah. yeah, he was a saint. Right, yeah, going back to the ring thing. Yeah, and they and they buried him with his with his guitar. And it's like wow. you know, and awesome. it's like it's sad and it's beautiful and tragic all at the same time. And then you know what? Like, so the last thing he said to one of his kids was, "I wrote it down." Shit, keep on rocking, man. Money can't buy life, and he didn't have a will. And they said that yeah. at the end, his family was asking him like to make a will. And he was like, I'm not going to write a will because when I'm gone and my money is up for stake, then you're going to see the true character of people. Of and the people that are fighting over my money, then you'll see who the shitbags are. And that's the way it goes, man. That's the way it goes. It, like, even people without money, people like who die without right. money, you see it. Constantly, and Jerry Garcia's life was like that too. It was oh, like yeah. very tragic. Had so like, many people his, fighting over yeah. his rights of his image, yeah, yeah. and his yeah. likeness. And it was really sad. And, yeah, and you think of Bob Marley, like he just wanted to help people and all this other stuff, and people are crawl crawling at his money. And it's almost prophetic that he was like, oh, "Well, I'm not going to put this shit in writing, man. I'll I'll just step back and go and I'll sit let back it there and laugh." And let it all sort of, and you will see who fucking the, parasites, man. Who the turds of the world yeah. are? How many kids did he have? He married Rita Marley when he was like nineteen, and he, they were married up until his death. She had one kid before him mm-hmm. that he adopted. Then they had four kids together. Then he legally had eight other kids from eight other women. And there may be as many as twenty other kids that he had. Holy shit! They're all out there. So it's it's like, and their relationship was really weird. They said like he like they had separate rooms like when they would go on tour, and he would have all kinds of chicks and yeah. Is it rock and roll or is it like religion? I don't know. They said he would call her and be like, "Hey, can you come down here and get, get the women out of my room?" And she did. Yeah. So I don't, I I don't know, man. I, he was he was everybody 
Unique. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Bob Marley was just one in a trillion. One of a kind. And yeah. people knew that. So they right. put up with, you know, his wife put up with everything. All right. his womanizing. And he said they wasn't even calling womanizing because God doesn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, don't know, shit. I don't know if that's like a, is that a, cr- like, okay. Well, you Jesus just told me to do it. I don't like, come on. Hey, man. Hey. But he, I don't and know. I saw some old interviews with him and somebody asked, like, are you married? And he's like, no. Yeah. So it's like I I don't know, man. I I I didn't go too much into that, and I struggled with it. And again, I man, much like the religion, I don't mean to glaze over his womanizing. And no, his, but like it's it might be a part of who he is. It might yeah. be part of your religion. Like there's a lot of religions like the, like out there, like the, like you know, for real. Like, but you know, for we to judge. Yeah, and he he had an incredibly. It's complicated... a whole. It's a something that we cannot understand. No. Look at his father. His father. Had kids in, in generally all these like so you know he's that's just part of his culture yeah well he's a yeah. white guy from fucking England fucking just but his yeah. even <laughs> even so his him saying that money can't buy happiness like uh, his estate he's one of the wealthiest like dead celebrities you know that list comes uh, out every yeah. year yeah and um so Forbes magazine said that his estate makes twenty one million dollars a year. But the New Yorker said that there's over five hundred million dollars a year in merchandise sold by him every year. Sure. So like, where does all that fucking money go? You think about it, like, man, you go to a, a flea market, right? There's there's it's people are selling bongs and lighters and yeah. hats and it's just like his face is everywhere. Every, he's probably one of the most recognizable, marketable people. But even watching the documentary that we all watch. Majority of people had T-shirts on with Bob Marley on it. Like, yeah, getting it's crazy. Right, millions of dollars of stuff that who knows where that shit goes. Right, it's like I mean, no. yeah, I said it's every. Hopefully, the he might be the most. Rec- he might be one of the most recognizable Absolutely. on the planet. Uh, yeah, like just yeah. faces and music. Yeah, that we've talked about. It's crazy. I don't have much. Oh, other than um. That part of Rastafarianism, that marijuana was very much seemed to be like a yeah. like a sacrament. Yeah, um, smoke the herb. Yeah, like a, a the New Testament. Yeah, like smoke the herb, and then the police. Not the con- New Testament. The old uh, the, the Book of Revelation. Yeah, the so, Book of Revelation. And that the police were constantly being like looking at what he would go on tour. They'd yeah, it's an easy drugs. It's an easy bust. Constantly trying to trying to get them, and they they never did. Do we have any other songs we didn't play? We could play Stir It Up. Do you think these songs are common knowledge? Like, what do you like, mean? I mean, like you know, how we always like talk about Stone songs and everything like that. This is part of like. Just, you mean they're like standards? Yeah. No, really, people don't no. know about these songs. Not that one. That's amazing to me. I think a lot of the stuff on Legend people know, but I think again, it's like it's in the background of like vacation time, and it's not uh, synonymous with political unrest and in a social movement. Yeah, I think it, if there was a one of his. Songs that were most recognizable is "Could This Be Love" or "Could You Be Love." I'm yeah. sorry, I I just think that has such a. I think three little birds gets a yeah. Big, you know, everything's gonna be all right. Yeah. yeah, everything's gonna be all right. But 
So I think that's Bob Marley, man. That's the that's the rise and uh, the very tragic death of Bob Marley. He was amazing. I mean, yeah. he's been dead my whole life, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. He's been a legend, and uh, it's forty years. Forty years this year, yeah. he's been dead. Damn. I mean, he's what? an icon. All, all the merchandise you see, and if you've never been to Jamaica, you you really don't know. How big he is. Yeah. I but it like is like I never been, but I, in the way you guys explain it, like I think exploit it. But that's just me. You know. I think there's people that legitimately embrace him as a cultural icon, but I think if there's an exploitation of Jamaica, it might be by tourism and Of course. And that's where I'm American, coming from. You know, yeah. I don't want to be Americans. Yeah. You know. I don't I don't want to be too too social heavy on it but uh, you know i think i'm going <laughs> I don't i'm going with you I'm, I'm you can start a revolution you can go save people <laughs> i'm sitting on the beach i don't give a shit i'm gonna smoke a big blunt all right i got some second thoughts so we got a ton of feedback on our motown episode so i have an email from nick from chicago he emailed us a few weeks ago saying how much he liked hearing the warden on the episode so hey I just wanted to drop you guys a line and say how much I enjoyed your latest episode on Motown. I love all of that music, but didn't know the story about the band. I thought you guys took a really cool angle by focusing on the Funk Brothers. One note, Barry Gordy created Motown Records because he was having so much success with Tamla. He didn't want people to start accusing him of paying DJs to play his single, so he started another label, even though they both released songs by Smokey Robinson, Marvin Gaye, and Stevie Wonder. Please don't think I'm trying to be one of those comic book guys you were talking about. All the music is just considered Motown these days. But I thought it was worth pointing out that he didn't want to be accused of payola. Great job this week. So thanks so much, Nick. And by the way, your stickers are in the mail, sir. That's a good point, man. It was like, yeah, yeah it was. he was having so many hits and he started his other label and didn't want to be accused of payola. And we just kind of all lumped it into, into Motown. But I just but, thought he had a better name. Motown is made. Motown is better than Tamla. Uh, Smokey Robinson named his daughter Tamla. Oh, wow. that's amazing! That. Really, that's yeah. awesome. So, um, music news, man. So, <laughs> I got two good stories from music news. So, Smash Mouth singer calls it quits. Smash Mouth lead singer Stephen Harwell announces retirement after video of him in concert in upstate New York went viral. Smash Mouth tried performing at the Big Sip Beer Festival in Bethel, New York, when Harwell went swaying on stage and slurring his words to one of their songs. During the show, he told a fan that, quote, I'll fucking kill you and your whole family, and then he started giving the Nazi salute. The 54-year-old singer told TMZ that he has cardiomyopathy, a disorder that impacts motor functions, speech, and memory. And write crappy songs. (laughs) Did he kill him? Did we kill that someone? No, it was uh, 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 Rascal Flats. We oh, okay, right, yeah. Somebody yeah. going the, the world going down me. So of course, when when you do something bad, it's like I have a disorder. And it, oh, absolutely. That made me give the men, uh, the Nazi salute. And the hilarious part is they then Smash Mouth said that they had been on tour for a month. Without this dude, and nobody they had a friend of theirs who was singing with them, and nobody fucking no noticed. noticed that it was a, a different <laughs> singer. But fear me not, Smash Mouth said they are not disbanding, and they will be on the hunt for another singer. They'll be in other Shrek movies. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh my god, they're, doing, they're the worst band of the night. Them and the Insane Clown Posse got to oh be the, the worst. Ugh. So, and then continue the the crap music. Uh, can you hear what the Rock is singing? 
Dwayne The Rock Johnson has made his debut hip-hop album. The 49-year-old wrestler and actor has collaborated on a track with Tech 9 The Rock said some of the biggest names in hip-hop have asked him to do a track with them in the past, but he's always, infused, he's always refused because of artist integrity. Really? What? He's too good for them? Until now. The Rock joins a long-standing tradition of celebrities crossing over into music and releasing god-awful songs. Who like um, like Tom like Tom Hanks kid? Yeah, Tom Hanks's kid and yeah. uh hang on, let me I think I could find that song. Okay. Yeah, but I understand. Like, like you need an outlet. Cha-ching. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be up there with the Allen Iverson rap yeah. music album. But I love, dude, I like The Rock. I like Moana. I like You're Welcome. Yeah, yeah, and we Disney, talked about that. Disney like, that's great. Not, you know? But he should not be making music. Dude, it's an outlet. You know what I mean? He runs his own it's company, his own business. Money. But, like, I want to just I just want to make music. money. I, I just, just want to make money, music. money, 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 money. Do you think he cares? Like, other, other than him uh, saying that he's had the biggest names in hip hop have all been begging him to make music <laughs> is like, all right, come on, yeah, dude. Calm he down. freestyles, goes to parties and yeah. freestyles with DMX. <laughs> Not anymore because DMX <laughs> is dead. I know. <laughs> blah blah. All right, so it's time for the electric chair. The electric chair is where we kill a song for being terrible. Man, we we've uncovered so much crap music, but uh, this week it is my turn, and I found this. I'm gonna kill a song that I found just kind of listening to the radio with my kids in the car. I found this song called uh, "Get Ready" by Pitbull mm. and Blake Shelton, the country singer. This is fucking terrible. This might be the worst I've, I've song never heard I've ever heard. Yeah. So this is so it's Pitbull and a country artist, and they sample uh, "Black Betty" by oh, Ram Jam. Really, this is really bad. Oh. Blake, this is far from the 305 Miami Magic City lights. Mm. Pit, welcome to the countryside. You get on that horse, you better ride. Get the fuck out of here. Does he have his gloves on and sunglasses? He has his leather gloves on. Mr. Worldwide. What a clown. Honk, honk. This is fucking Dude, really bad. We just know music is over. Like, it's just over. I, and I it's like, just over. I like country music. I like Blake Shelton. Man, I, I don't. This is unreal. This is, like, this is pretty bad. This is like if a, if a musical asteroid hit Earth. Like Anne just went down to Nashville. I'm sure the song is playing every bar she went into. This is really bad. Fun. All right, uh, this is this has got to go. We sentence you to death. Clown show. That's. It's, I never heard it. I, you never need to hear it again no, either. No. I'm, I'm sorry that I, I had to bring it to your ears. No, so. it's okay. Really terrible. So that's it for episode 28, man. First of all, a huge episode for everybody who's listening to us. Uh, if you like what you hear, please consider hitting follow on your favorite podcast platform and leaving, leaving us a review. If you like what you hear, we publish a music playlist to go with every episode. We talk, we, we put it on Spotify. It has everything from the, uh, 
Frankie Lyman and the Teenager song. We played uh, every song that we played uh, during the whole show. Uh, if you have any comments, thoughts, or ideas about Prisoners of Rock and Roll, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter. We're on prisonersofrockandroll.com, and you can email us at prisonersofrockandroll at gmail.com. And, of course, if you're ever visiting Philadelphia, please stop by McCusker's Tavern at 17th and Stunk Streets in South Philadelphia. We would love to see you. So that's it, man. We'll be back in two weeks. Keep on rocking. Peace out.